Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeBone, and this is a happy, hippie place for talking all things magic, witches and fiction, and creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 409 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio where you will also find a link to finally Johanna Warren who I have been talking about all summer long because Johanna has allowed us to dip into the Spirit House Records catalog so that we could have a little soundtrack to our summer of magic here. She is a witch and the singer-songwriter responsible for Spirit House Records, the label. So I'm really pleased to finally have her on the show. I apologize for for kind of being the Joe who cried wolf. I kept saying, I'm having Johanna on the show next week. Wait, no, next week. But next week turned into a few weeks because July kicked my ass. And I've talked to many of you and I know that you had a similar experience with it. It's truly one of the hardest months that I have survived in recent years, for sure. 2019 has been extremely challenging and July really just, it, it took the cake. I gotta say, it was just one bizarre challenge, an outrageous technology glitch after another. I was launching the Queen program and every single thing that could have possibly gone wrong did. There were fun moments too, for sure. I've been able to connect with the women who signed up for that program and they're incredibly inspiring. I got to be on the Fat Feminist Witch podcast, which I've wanted to do for a really long time. My friend Molly Roberts had me on her YouTube channel, and my friend Jessie Huntenberg had me on her YouTube channel. So it was really intense and really hard, but also rewarding, if that makes sense, which made me think about, like, this is supposed to be the summer of magic. Whenever I launch something like that, like, hashtag summer of magic, (laughs) I'm filled with optimism. And I just assume it's just going to be magical, as in just totally awesome. But when I really think about on upon reflection, now that it has not been totally awesome and deeply challenging, when I really think about what is magic, Joe, bring it back to, around to what magic is. Magic is creating change in conformity with will. And what is change? Change is challenging, right? Life itself is change. But I think as humans, we are creatures of habit. I myself am extremely, this is the biggest irony of calling myself a witch. I'm extremely resistant to change, even changes that I initiate myself. And in addition to that, if you really, if you're going to do magic to change your life in a major way, there's this phase in the process where the universe starts moving your life around for you. And 
this has been happening a lot for me this year and it's always unsettling, literally, literally unsettling, but also just emotionally un, unsettling. And I feel like there's some preparation that goes on a lot of the time when you're asking for something, a big leap forward, like you're really t- trying to take a leap into the future, a leap toward the desired life that you are after, you might not be ready for that. You might not be ready for that energetically, emotionally, skill set wise. And so to get there, you need to be prepared. And sometimes that preparation involves jumping through a lot of hoops and challenges in order to build up some strength and resilience and literal skills. So that's what I that's how I'm thinking of the summer of magic, but also please please all the gods of summer let August be easier. <laughs> it it definitely is already. We are 7 days into it as of me recording this. Although I think I'll post this in the morning cuz y'all will be you'll probably be sleeping by the time I get this sucker loaded and put together, but Anyway, I hope the Summer of Magic is treating you very well. July kicked my ass and Queen launched on August 1st and I thought I would just hop right back into doing the podcast, but I just had a mega case of burnout. I felt so... <laughs> just exhausted. I still, I still, every single week, I'm creating content on Patreon and I have coaching clients that I work with. So I'm never not working. So the one thing that I can take a break from is the podcast. So I just, that's, that's the thing that had to give. I had written so many newsletters too in July. I was like, I cannot write another newsletter. If I'm sick of my newsletters, surely everybody else is sick of my newsletters. I have two different newsletter lists that I was <laughs> emailing in July. Is like the queen deadline was approaching and I was just like, never again. I will write another newsletter. I'm not saying never again, but that was that was the feeling at the time. <laughs> I was just like, ah, I need a break. So finally today, I was like, I think I have my brain screwed back on and it's time to get back into the swing of things with the Summer of Magic. I have two more interviews coming up for you that I've already recorded and then I'll be looking to record some new stuff. I'm already in talks with some amazing witches. We just got to schedule that. Not only witches, that's the thing. I'm really looking to expand the podcast. I really want to talk to artists and authors. That's why I was so excited to have Joanne Harris on the show, my favorite witchy author, really, and Jericho Brown, a poet. I really am interested in having a variety of people that are creating the kick-ass life of their dreams on the show. So I'm, I'm expanding it that way. But coming up, I have David, ha- David Hayward, The Naked Pastor, And I got to interview him many years ago when my interviews were still, it was for a show I did called Every Which Way on YouTube. Uh, So it was really awesome to get to touch base with him again. And I think you're going to love that because we're talking about spiritual abuse and how that impacts your life as an adult if you've experienced spiritual abuse in the religion that you grew up in. I know that's something that's really personal to a lot of you as it is to me so that's really cool and then I also have 
an interview with Lori Forrest, who is the author of The Black Witch Chronicles, a young adult series that I fell in love with earlier this year. So good stuff to come. Before we proceed to, I also have to thank the amazing people that are helping me pay my rent. (laughs) Thank you for helping me pay my bills. Those of you who support the podcast over on Patreon, I want to give a special shout out to Nadine Hickman, who I've known for years through Kick-Ass Witch and Hippie Witch. So, hey, Nadine, I'm super excited that you decided to join us over there. Kara, just Kara, or Kara, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Leanne Brown has been hooking up with us on Discord, which is really fun. Patreon links now to this chatting app called Discord. So we hang out there every weekday morning to start our day. It's super awesome. I'm loving it. Uh, Thank you, Tina Dean. And Alice Felon with a PH. Not a F, a PH. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I wanted just to, before I move on to the interview with Johanna, I have to tell you all about something really fun that just happened on Patreon. It was so, I don't know, strange and potentially embarrassing, but it turned out really, really cool. I decided that I wanted to do something I learned this from Jack Canfield from his book, The Success Principles. He talks about a party that he went to back in the day before he was successful, but when he was like super into personal development and really determined and, you know, applying every personal development technique and law of attraction technique to get to where he wanted to be. And if you don't know who Jack Canfield is, he's the co-creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Huge, one of the biggest series ever published in the world, I believe, maybe the most. Huge, lots and lots of money, big, big success. You've probably heard of it. I imagine you have lots of spin off books and stuff like that. But back in the day, before Chicken Soup for the Soul, he went to this party where you were supposed to show up and dress and act like it was five years in the future and you had already achieved the success that you were after. You had already achieved the kick-ass life of your dreams. And so you were supposed to dress that way, talk that way, act that way, and speak as though it were five years in the future. And it just was such a fun read, like reading this little section in his book, The Success Principles, Uh, Because he mentioned Susan Jeffers. You guys might know her as the author of Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I love that title. I feel like it says it all. Feel feel the fear and do it anyway. Uh, But she was one of the attendees. And he talked about how... He explained the party, which sounded so much fun because everybody really got into it. Like they brought a mock-up of Time Magazine with their face on the cover or, you know, they brought their Oscar with them or whatever to them signified that they had achieved the success they were after. And the people who hosted the party, it was on the Queen Mary, a boat in Long Beach. They uh, actually hired paparazzi. There was a red carpet and paparazzi were like, hey, Jack, over here, let me take your picture. So it was this whole experience of immersing yourself in the desired future, projecting yourself into the future in a really sensual, 
way that involves your your intellect and your emotions and feedback from other people and this like 3D super dynamic experience. I thought it was incredible. So I was like, wouldn't it be crazy if we did that on Patreon? <laughs> I feel like we, there's got to be some kind of technology that would let us do this. And we did. We called it 2025 come as you will be it was our come as you will be party and we used zoom which allows everybody to show up on camera and i really thought that i would be the only one or that maybe like a couple people would show up but that they'd be like really giggly and that i would have to like really hold down the fort <laughs> and set the tone but it wasn't like that at all at all like they were super into it and it was surprisingly awesome. I had a really good time and I wanted to share that with you because I highly recommend giving that a try with your local coven or, you know, if you have like a nerdy group of friends or a women's group or a book club or if you just have a really progressive creative work place, maybe you all want to try something like that. I One person said that she was going to, she's a middle school teacher and that she might try it with the kids in her middle school class. And I, I could totally see a bunch of junior high kids getting into that. There probably would be some giggles and resistance at first, but like once you're in the experience of it, it's so fascinating to put yourself in the future looking back. It, it creates a shift, a really interesting shift. So I wanted to share that with you all. And speaking of shifts, we have to shift now to the interview so I can wrap this up and get my feet in some cold water because I am sweating my face off. I am sweating my face off and my ankles are covered in mosquito bites because we have these really aggressive, annoying mosquitoes here in Glendale called ankle biters. Yes, my friends, ankle biters. Guess what they do? They bite your ankles. So <laughs> let's just pivot now and get straight into this interview so that I can get my feet in an ice cold bath soon, soon. So it is officially time to pivot. It's time to pivot and talk about Healing with Plants and the Organic Spiral of Success with witchy songwriter Johanna Warren. Yay! Finally, at last, Johanna. Here is the interview with Johanna. We talk about how she healed herself of some serious health problems using plant medicine, letting plants be her guide. Something she talked about that I thought was really interesting is is how we can use our neurochemistry and our preference for patterns to our advantage and we can put them to use by putting some new healthy patterns in place. And I thought that was, yeah, I'm all about that. There's a piece too where I misspoke, like a correction I wanna make before you actually listen to the interview when I was telling her that psilocybin, ayahuasca, and peyote have recently been legalized for recreational use in San Francisco, but it's not San Francisco, it's Oakland, which is San Francisco's neighbor. So if you're listening to this and you're in San Francisco and you're like, where can I get my hands on some peyote? You're gonna have to cross the bridge into Oakland. <laughs> but they just legalized it. And we were talking about entheogenic plants and I just mentioned it. And then of course, 
Me being me, I had to say the wrong the wrong city.、Uh, so there's that, and because she is the founder of the Spirit House Records label and a touring singer songwriter, we had to talk about what it's like to build sustainable success as a musician and an artist, and and then we came it came things came back around. To how method acting is a form of witchcraft, which is one of my favorite subjects. I'm surprised how often it has come up on the show. I'm surprised and delighted because I truly, I truly believe that. And and I also someone else I mentioned just quickly in passing that I'm going to link to also in the show notes is an artist called Trinetti. I said Trinity during the interview, but I think it's Trinetti. She has. A guided meditation that I listened to right right before I interview people. I often will like binge on their website and listen to you know videos and podcasts and stuff just to like really saturate my brain with the person I'm about to talk to. So I have plenty to talk with them about. And I ended up clicking on this artist in the Spirit House Records catalog. Called Trinity and listening to Essence of the Unknown guided meditation right before our interview started, and it it just took me to this really like woo kind of out there place, and I kind of felt stoned when I was talking to her when the interview started. You might detect that it's just a different vibe, I think, than my usual like. Hey, I was just I felt very kind of slow. And chill, and my brain kind of had like a swath of cotton wrapped around it in a very comfy way. But I I mentioned that in the beginning, so I wanted to link to that meditation here also because it's awesome, and you should totally support these independent artists because they rock. So without any further ado, here she is, Johanna Warren. Hi, Johanna. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm in such a weird headspace because I just I'm brand new to you, which is exciting. I think that will make this fun because I'll have all the newbie questions that people would want to know. Perfect.、Uh, yeah, it'll be awesome. So I just went over to the record label that you founded, Spirit House Records, and I was clicking around on all the different artists, and I ended up at the bottom. I want to say her name is Trinity, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And I、uh, Trinity. Trinity. So, <laughs> I was just sampling all the music, and she has a guided meditation with、yeah. what I think are singing bowls, and I'm very sensitive to that. <laughs>、mm. And it just took me to outer space. I got that weird <laughs> like when it feels like there's a blanket on your brain, and you don't want to、oh, come、yeah. back down to earth. So. <laughs> Beautiful. That's where I'm at right now, and you, you, you yourself are. I do. I feel kind of off and funny, which I thought was interesting because when I was going through all of the music, what I heard of it, there's a certain vibe to it, and I'm just fascinated that you yourself, as a musician and a witch, started a label for other. Witchy musicians, and then when you go to listen to the music, I mean that could turn out very badly. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> it could be a 
little, I don't know, you know, you know, like here are my friends and, but it's Mm -hmm. such a consistent vibe all throughout. Can you tell us a little bit about the birth of that and how it turned out to have this really dreamy, ethereal, beautiful vibe kind of consistently throughout? Yeah. Thank you for detecting that. And that's really a beautiful affirmation of what I'm doing because it's, you know, it's not genre specific. It's like, um, the music sounds different, but there is this consistent essence that really is kind of the only determining factor for me, um, in making the decisions about like who, whose music I release on spirit house, because I have a lot of friends, a lot of friends making music and a lot of really talented music friends and a lot of like witchy friends who also make music. So it's like, it it can be, um, that's actually been kind of the hardest part of running the label is actually just kind of like making those calls and, and hoping that people don't take it personally, you know, but for me, it is just kind of this feeling that it's like, as though I were curating an art show that has like one consistent experience that I want people to have when walking through the gallery. And for me with spirit house, like what that feeling is, is like really like, rooted above and below, you know, like connected to the earth and like opening to spirit and source and like receiving from above and below and creating from that central crossroads that is the human heart Mm -hmm. and, and just making like authentic expressions of your real human magical experience. So yeah, I'm, I I think, I think when I listen back to back, like we, we have a Spotify playlist that's just kind of a, a mashup of everybody's music on the label. And it is like, so wonderfully consistent and it's it's kind of amazing to me to listen to that because it's felt pretty chaotic at times just kind of like I do my best to just like listen within and listen to spirit for like guidance about who's who's in you know and it's kind of like actually did you ever watch that silly anime tv show sailor moon I'm aware of it but no (laughs) I watched it as a kid and there's you know the, the plot is like it's these um, interdimensional interplanetary priestesses from like different planets in the solar system who have all like incarnated on earth to save humanity from this like malevolent force that's trying to take hold of the planet. And they have just like woken up in like teenage schoolgirl bodies, but they like find each other through these like glowing insignia on their foreheads and you know have like spent past lives like working together as this like cosmic superhero team so that's kind of how it's felt to me wow (laughs) that's so cool you want to know what's really interesting too i think this is a very out there reference but the first thing that comes to mind when i think of a label that fans can identify with and develop a relationship with is sub pop like back in the day Mm, like yeah because there aren't very many labels that I think fans get really connected to that way and develop an ongoing relationship of trust and I could see Mm. that happening around spirit house yeah I I I feel that too yeah it was a movement you know and I think that it's at the heart of it it needs to be just like real human relationships and like I think everybody wants to like 
belong to a a group there's like some deep primitive desire in that direction and like um i think that can be really dangerous and you see that kind of turning into a lot of really bad things in the world like gang violence and you know cults and stuff but like i i think it can be a really positive thing if if we can rally around something like healing collective consciousness healing the earth and healing ourselves you know if if those can be like the foundational pillars of a community then that can be a really beautiful thing so that's really my intention is just to create community around a shared desire to heal and experience art as a healing modality yeah i mean i think that's a natural human desire community yeah. I mean it's a need it's not a I mean it's a human need and yeah. people exploit that yeah for nefarious purposes but also we can tap into that and serve each other from that intention that you were just talking about being a healer yeah. which is so consistent in everything you do I where's this thing that I just read okay so I want to read at you (laughs) something about you, but also something that you wrote. I got this. I think I got this from your manager. He was talking about how you're a Reiki master teacher. I I have to ask you to go into more about this, but there's a piece here. It said that you had healed yourself of various physical diseases through energy work and herbalism. And then this is the piece that's so fascinating to me. Besides that, I want to circle back to the healing yourself and toured around the U.S. in 2018 on a plant medicine tour that visited 70-plus cities and in every city partnered with local herbalists and farmers to share their work at her shows. What? Yeah. (laughs) What? You're like (laughs) such a hippie in the best way. (laughs) Yeah, well, here I am on the Hippie Witch podcast. Wow, that is... (laughs) How did that play out? How did that work? Oh my god, that was so fun. I it was just a vision. Like it it came through just I was in the forest in the Pacific Northwest listening, you know, just being quiet and listening for guidance and I just I I'd been getting this feeling increasingly like from the plants because I as that tidbit from my manager said, like I I wouldn't say I healed myself. Like I was healed by plants, by nature. And I wanted to give back, you know, I wanted to like express my gratitude and just help them out in some way because they had helped me out so much. So I just kind of got bonked over the head with that idea. One day when I was sitting in the forest, it was like, well, you happen to find yourself in rooms full of human beings, like on stage, like with a microphone on a regular basis. And like, we don't have mouths. Like most humans can't hear us anymore. So like, why don't you use that power and that space to like talk about us, you know? So that was the seed of the vision. And it just, it all happened really fast. It was kind of amazing. Like it was, I booked that tour myself. I mean, that's another statement. Like I healed myself. It's like, actually, like I feel really strongly that like the plants like booked that tour for me. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's some, I don't know. Can this be like a 10 hour podcast? Because every time <laughs> you open your mouth, 
It's like <laughs> 20 new questions pop into my head. <laughs> I've got all day. I don't know about you and your listeners, but I got nowhere to be. Okay, so here's <laughs> two of them. One, what is up with witches and the Pacific Northwest? And, and two, we need to get into how the plants healed you, like that whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, I mean, Pacific Northwest, I, there's just something about the land. I mean, Oregon and Washington, Oregon in particular is just like so diverse. There are so many bioregions and things just grow so abundantly. Like you can just like everyone has a garden without trying, you know, like the plants kind of run the place. Like they're just huge. When you go into the forest, it's like land before time. Like everything is just like prehistorically gigantic. <laughs> and um, I mean, it's, you know, I think the climate has a lot to do with it, but then culturally too, there's just like, I mean, there's some, there's some not so great stuff going on culturally in terms of like racial segregation and like the history of Oregon being founded as like a white supremacist state, basically. What? Yeah. That's oh, like whoa, that seems yeah. so contradictory to what I think of when I think of Oregon. Yup. Yeah, that's like the shadow side that nobody really likes to talk about because and and it's really evident still in the the current iteration of the culture like and ultimately why I needed to take some space. I lived in Portland for like 6 years but then kind of needed to step out and check in with the rest of the world because I was just noticing like a lot of the spaces, a lot of the like mindful spiritual events that I found myself at I'd look around the room and it was just like 100% white people you know and I was like like what is going on like how can we do better why is no one really like talking about this or like actively working on this so um or rather no white people are like talking about it and actually yes. working on it. So yeah, it's kind of huge, but that said it is, you know, progressive people flock there. Generally the, the urban planning and policies are like relatively green as far as America goes and relatively socially responsible. So it's a mixed bag, but there's a lot of beauty and a lot of, a lot of magic for sure. But mostly I think it's the land and the the plants. Like, it's just so potent. Like, finding yourself on these kind of, like, liminal realms, too, where, like, the forest meets the ocean, meets the desert, you know, just Mm -hmm. lots of borders, which for me as a witch is, like, the richest kind of place to work is, like, on boundaries, you know? I think that's what I love so much about Big Sur. It has the forest and the desert and the ocean and, like, all these little pockets, and you move from one to the other Mm -hmm. dramatically and quickly. Yes, which feels very, like, I don't know, it's, like, alchemical. It's, like, the you know, you've got the, the four, like, elements, like, working all around you. It's, ugh, I love it. (laughs) Okay, so the plants... Sounds like you are, you have a real relationship going on there and that they're talking to you in some way. And I would love to know how that has been your healing journey. Yeah. Um, and yeah, healing I, from what? I, I guess I should ask as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, I... Well, I think it's it's hard to start anywhere but the linear beginning of my life, which was like as a small kid, I just I was a very like magically minded child and just knew how to 
just spend my days outside. That's like my happy place was just like in the yard playing with plants, talking to bugs, talking to fairies and making little potions and singing songs. And that was just like who I knew I was. And then of course, like so many of us, it was conditioned out of me and I lost my relationship with the natural world. And that's when I started becoming very sick. And I just, it was just kind of like diagnosis after diagnosis just piled up. Like I got type one diabetes when I was nine. And that was kind of like the first domino in this like really intense series of events of just like everything fell apart. And I started getting like crippling migraines five times a week. And I never got a period when I was an adolescent. And that was later diagnosed as polycystic ovary syndrome. I became extremely depressed because I was, you know, it was a, it was kind of a shit show, like traffic jam of like conditions and then the prescription pharmaceuticals that were prescribed for them, which caused side effects. Oh, yes. More more pharmaceuticals were prescribed. So by the time I was like 20, I was on probably like 10 different pharmaceuticals, including intense psych meds. Like I'd been diagnosed as like bipolar two and put on lithium and I was on birth control to like just induce periods and migraine prescriptions and anti-androgens and anti-anxiety meds. And just, I was just like, wow, I, I have no idea who I am or like what my body is capable of when you take away these like 10 different drugs. And I have no idea what's causing what, you know? Yes. And Um, you said something about the domino, the first domino with the type one diabetes that also happens with pharmaceuticals because they create mm. more conditions and then those conditions need pills and then those pills create conditions and then those conditions need pills. And it's like, how do you, I mean, you got to go all the way back to the beginning to try to undo all of that. Right. Yep. So I kind of just got to a point where like I, I could barely function and I just, I, it was, you know, a miracle that I, I think what really first shifted amazingly was like, I just had this like subconscious desire to go work on farms. Like when I was, it was like, um, when I was just getting out of high school, I just, the first thing I wanted to do as like my first free act as an adult was to go work on an organic farm in Long Island. And that really, um, I think it was coming from like a deeply wise place. I didn't have any conscious awareness that that was going to be so crucial to my healing. It was just like, I don't know why, but I just need to get the fuck out of here and go get my hands in the dirt. And um, because I was also dealing with like a pretty intense eating disorder, like I'd just been anorexic for most of my young life and just had a really disturbed relationship with nourishment. And and that again, too, like I think in some way there was some wisdom in that because the food that was being presented to me was not nourishing food. Yeah, it was not food. There was no food in the food. So I was like rejecting it. So, yeah, just kind of that experience of working on my first farm and just coming home, like, sweaty and covered in dirt 
with like an armful of turnips that then I could fry up and eat for dinner. Like that, that was the real first big shift of like, oh, there's a whole other way. And it's something deeply remembered that I just knew in every cell of my body. And then that, that just started, everything started kind of opening up from there where I, I started hearing whispered stories of wise women, like healing themselves of various conditions with herbs and like the laying on of hands. And at that point it was all so far out of my conditioned paradigm. I was just like, what? That's something you can do. Um, but then I just started experimenting and, and really kind of went renegade, like tapering off the pharmaceuticals kind of, I think I kind of just didn't even do it like that responsibly. I just sort of started going off stuff and seeing what happened. And it was kind of, it was harrowing and awful, but I, um, was determined and just, and fascinated and just curious to see what was possible. And I I started getting really into herbalism and learning as much as I could about plants and just using myself as a guinea pig for a lot of things. Cause that, you know, in retrospect, it's all perfect because I was blessed with a wide variety of conditions that I got to use my own body as like a testing ground for finding what worked. Wow. It sounds so, I mean, it sounds so purposeful and also what teenage girl reaches like the very beginning of adulthood and is like, I'm going to live across the country on a farm. Like that's so, to me, that sounds like so random and out there. So it seems that (laughs) even, even, with all of that, all the pharmaceuticals coursing through you, you still had this connection to something like your soul was like, Hey, here's an idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Looking back at it all, like it's been, there's been so much suffering in my relatively short life, but like at this point where I'm at looking back at it all, it's all so perfect and so purposeful. And like, I was given exactly what I needed to just like, learn about my own capabilities and my own power and the amazing like miraculous powers of nature um and I don't think it could have been any easier than it was you know to to really learn those lessons like I needed to be like put on like the brink of death as many times as I have to learn how to bring myself back or be brought back as many times as I have, you know. So where are you at with it all now? Really in a very balanced place. Like I still have type one diabetes. Like that's not going anywhere anytime soon as far as I can tell. But that's the only thing. That's the only pharmaceutical I take is injections of insulin. Everything else, like, I mean, I'm completely healthy and able to live a pretty strenuous life of like touring and I feel truly happy for the first time in my life in a sustainable way like um yeah just really overall I feel really excited and proud of like how balanced I feel as a being and just from where I've come from that feels like a major triumph of the human spirit and it's something that I really want to like 
I feel really passionate about sharing with others. It's like, it doesn't like, no matter how many doctors are telling you you're like irreparably messed up or like you need this medication to be at all. Okay. Like there are, there are other ways and we are so resilient and so malleable and like our brains and our bodies are always changing and like just because you're somewhere now does not mean that's where you have to be a year from today or five years from today or tomorrow you know Mm -hmm. I really connected to what you were saying about it was uncomfortable like when you were weaning yourself off the pharmaceuticals but that you were determined. I had anxiety and depression and agoraphobia, things you can't see, which makes it extra fun mm. because it ir- mm. it irritates other people. <laughs> you, do you know what I mean? That you're not like, your leg is not in a cast. Get up. Nothing's wrong with you right. is kind of the attitude. But I was so determined. I had so many dreams, and it was so frustrating to have this wall of these strange symptoms standing between me so I have always loved experimenting with diet and herbs and amino acids and things like that even even if I'm like breaking out in weird (laughs) bumps or whatever I'm always just like oh that's interesting why did that happen and I can it's interesting because people do not like to change their diet. That's something no. I've noticed. I For a while, <laughs> I, I led a program called Sad to Sexy with the intention of teaching people how to heal themselves with food. And I mm-hmm. did not understand that 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 is like primal. People really yeah. struggle with changing their diets. Yeah, it's intense. I mean, we we are addictive creatures and get very used to the things that we're used to and and no matter what it is even if it's like actively harming us I mean I think a lot of the things that people get the most intensely addicted to are actually things that are harmful but I like realizing that 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 same neural function can be applied to our benefit like it it is extremely uncomfortable to break any addiction or change any pattern and the the longer we've been doing it the harder it is but the same neurochemistry can be harnessed and used to our advantage to get addicted to things that are really awesome for us yeah um yeah <laughs> and it's yeah it's just that ugh, pushing over the hump can i read something i cut and pasted off your website Yeah, of course. And I have to bring it back to plants, too, because I'm so interested in this. You said, as a little kid, I knew who I was, a wild, magical creature who delighted in the gifts of the earth and the mysteries of the universe, feasting on red clover and honeysuckle, grinding berries between stones to make potions, thatching fairy huts with a slab of damp moss talking to bugs, singing to birds, drawing channeled images of interdimensional angels, and happily passing long afternoons with my face pressed in the dirt, watching golden light dance through blades of grass. Then, as most of us do, I forgot. I love that. I mean, I see the songwriter in you in that, and I definitely want to talk about that, but I also just have to hang out here discussing plants for a little bit longer and the fact the fact that you identify as a witch and 
it seems you're on this path of remembering and and mm-hmm. helping other people remember. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that kind of ties in with something that I felt called to say earlier, just about like the, um, when you were talking about, you know, like kind of getting a little bit excited when some new mysterious symptom pops up, it's like, Ooh, I'm breaking out in hives. Like, what's that about? And like, I experienced that too. And I think it's like a really cool, like positive reframe of the, remarkable uprising like autoimmune diseases and like mysterious chronic illness that affects so many people in the modern world it's like of course I mean look around at the way that we're living and how out of touch we are with the natural rhythms of the planet and like how things have always been until so recently for us of course we're our bodies are talking about that and I think that that's it's like it's an invitation like the the illness that we experience is an invitation to find our way back home they're so persistent too I have so much compassion for the human body I'm not anti- pharmaceuticals across the board if you need a pill i have no judgment about that especially if it helps you get to the other side of something that's really serious absolutely but at the same time our bodies are messengers and we tend it's just so easy to slap a pill on it and silence Mm -hmm. the messenger but then it won't be silenced then it like comes up with another (laughs) symptom and it's like no 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 really truly you need to hear me and we try to silence that one and then it pops up over here and that persistency it reminds me of like the dandelion pushing through the crack in the sidewalk like you just can't kill it it's just going to be heard no matter what yes uh yeah and i love how uh, the dandelion is such an amazing ally for the modern ailments and it like grows i love how plants just grow where they're needed and like you know so many of the like urban quote-unquote weeds that just like know how to live in the places that are like super toxic hold the healing keys for detoxifying our bodies because it's like they know how to hang they know what's up in the cities and they the fact that they know how to process the same toxins that we are exposed to is what makes them great healers Mm. what do you have a plant like a special plant that you consider an ally Oh, so many. I, I mean, it's like, it's like a party. <laughs> I have, I feel like I have so many. I mean, every plant is its own distinct personality and has its own specific gifts. So it's just kind of about knowing like which friend to call in which kind of situation, you know, just, just like with humans, you know, you've got your friend that like maybe is really great to talk to when you're having like problems in your love life (laughs) and like your friend who's really good at like motivating you in your career you know so it's just kind of like knowing when to call up dandelion and be like yo it happened again (laughs) (laughs) what do i do (laughs) (laughs) he's back (laughs) (laughs) it reminds me of eon levansant she always says it's the same man in a different pair of pants (laughs) (laughs) sometimes even the same pair of (laughs) bands. well you mentioned turnips 
coming home with an mm. arm full of turnips. Can you remember mm. all the way back to the, those early days of awakening and like one herb or plant that you actually got some message from or noticed a shift yeah. a shift happen in, in working with it? Yeah, I feel like the first the first herb that I bought myself when I was first getting into just seeking alternatives was actually just raspberry leaf because I was really mostly concerned with like get inducing my period because I'd gone off birth control and just like wasn't bleeding. So I, I got myself just some raspberry leaf and started making tea because I just heard it was like generally good for all women's womb complaints and it it wasn't even that I experienced any like it, that wasn't it, that wasn't enough at the time for my body to like induce menses but just the experience of like making that first cup of tea and like you know as someone who at that point in my life had never experienced like just straight up herbal tea with no tea bag not like you know twining the earl gray you know just like making that first cup of tea and just being like, this is tea. Like this is what <laughs> you, like, you can experience like this direct. It just felt like a direct communion with this, with the whole natural world. You know, it was like really like, I remember this feeling of like this doorway opening back to that childhood place of just like, you know, this is just a plant that was picked. I think there was something magical about the familiarity of it. You know, it was just raspberry leaf. Everybody's seen a raspberry bush, but you can just like pick this and pour boiling water over it and have this sensual healing experience, you know, yeah, it was like this small, quiet revelation for me. Oh, that brings me around to some of the healing work you do too, because you do, well, you do tea leaf divination, which yeah. is, it's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty rock and roll <laughs> because we are in the era of the tarot reader and you're over here like, mm. but I read tea leaves. <laughs> Always got to keep them guessing. How, so how did that come about? What's your experience like with that? Well, tea leaf reading I think I was first exposed to the idea of that or the the existence of that as a practice by this woman who my mom had a friend who was Iranian when I was little and so and we lived in this like pretty pretty isolated little nuclear family bubble so I just remember the first time I met this Iranian woman it was just kind of like this like wow the world is a big place you know um and she she was a tassiomancer, like casually, you know, not professionally. It was just something like had been passed down from her grandmothers. And she read coffee grounds. But I just remember my my mom's dad, my grandfather passed away and my mom was really bereft and really, yeah, just deeply grieving. And she went over to that friend's house and she read her coffee grounds. And I just remember my mom coming home and just, she just seemed lighter and like something had happened that had really helped her. So that was like an early memory that kind of logged away in my brain. And then yeah, I, I got really into tarot cards like a decade ago and then just started working with plants so much. 
and making so much herbal tea, <laughs> I just started reading my own leaves and noticing that like that was a really clear way for the different plant spirits to communicate. For me, like just you know, tr- you know, drinking the tea in in its liquid form is already such a healing experience and has physiological effects. And then reading the remnants at the bottom of the cup was like a really cool way for them to communicate through their own flesh, you know? So, and I just, you know, I'd never heard of anybody doing like herbal tassiomancy working with different plant spirits. Like even within the world of tassiomancy, it's generally just like tea leaves, you know? Do you feel like you have like in your mind a table of symbolism and this means that and this means that or is it kind of like a pareidolia thing where you're getting images and then just riffing on the images yeah no it's all for me it's very intuitive like i've i've read some books on like traditional methods and systems of symbols but honestly some of a lot of what i see out there is like pretty outdated and like somewhat problematic like there's like some some like kind of like really like um yeah outdated somewhat racist imagery that comes up in some of the books that I have I don't know so I just I I feel generally same with tarot cards I feel like my I'm a very visual like clairvoyant kind of person and I just I don't need to rely on anyone else's systems of symbolism like it's just it's all very clear and direct for me so especially working with the plants it's just like their voices are so clear and it's like here, like I'm just gonna shape myself into the form of a bear, and then that bear is gonna tell you some stuff, you know. Wow, that is so yeah. cool. What do you yeah. think about entheogens? I've had generally very positive experiences. <laughs> um, so you think that's a good? Mo- it's getting legalized. It was just legalized in San Francisco, I think, this week. It's the second city in America, they legalized psilocybin, ayahuasca, and a third one, I can't, oh, peyote. Really? As, as like, um... Everybody, do it if you want. Recreational, or? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I did not hear that. Hell yeah. It's brand new, new news. <laughs> What's today? Wow. May, May or June 6th. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, it just broke this week. I thought that was pretty oh. interesting. What amazing times to be alive. It's so. It's all the things. Haven't you noticed? It's just like <laughs> the darkness is so dark, but the light is so light. And it's just yeah. very wild. I feel like we're getting to live the hippie life 2.0. It's, it's, yes. it's a different iteration. But it, so many of the same issues of make love, not war, and turning to nature and... Mm-hmm community I just see a lot of that going on absolutely yeah and it's like you know we learned so much from the 60s and like I know like when I was a little kid like that was I I just I was so like single-mindedly obsessed with the Beatles and like just everything about the 60s like the just the music and the culture and I just I I had all these like stupid hippie stickers like all over my books and just you know things that I bought at like them all but I was just I, I came into the world just like, why was I not born then? Like, that's that was that was when the good stuff was happening. <laughs> and I here you people, are. Here I am. And I think a lot of people felt that and have um, picked up some of the loose threads 
and it's even better because we get to learn from the the past and like learn from that amazing generation like all the progress that was made and all of the everything that happened in its wake you know we can learn from learn what not to do as well you know mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna put a, a bookmark here in two things reiki and vocal embodiment i really want to talk about those but since you just mentioned we'll see if we can circle back in my mind if i say it out loud there's a better chance i'll remember to bring it back up but you just mentioned the beatles and you're a wonderful singer-songwriter. I'm definitely going to link to the page on your website with your videos because, to me, they are visual poems. I love oh, your videos. Um, so when did you realize that you were a musician? How did you get to be the musician you are today? Um, kind of similarly with my healing origins, it's just, it was a natural proclivity that I came into the world with and then it got shut down, you know, like I just, I think we're so susceptible as young beings to just like the, the cruel, thoughtless things that individuals can say just at school or like, you know, just other kids just say like, you have a stupid voice or whatever, um, <laughs> and yeah. we just shut it down and so that yeah I was just kind of mute basically for like many years in school like just kind of the weird kid that just didn't even talk except when like raising her hand to be Hermione Granger in class <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny that's a funny combination <laughs> um but yeah, so so like reclaiming my voice, like that's kind of another thing which brings me right to the vocal embodiment sessions that I offer. It's like, again, I was gifted this blockage so that I could learn how to work through it, you know, and that's like a lot of the people, pretty much every person that I've ever worked with as a vocal coach is dealing with some form of that. I think we all do just anyone who's been to public school and just is told to shut up and sit down and speak when spoken to. Um, there's like some major throat chakra trauma happening collectively, like where, you know, the throat is this bridge that connects the heart and the mind and, um, is our, our potent magical tool for like, using language and expressing what is inside of us and we're just generally not conventionally encouraged to have a healthy relationship with any of that so to to work through that the the extreme blockages that I found myself working with and to come out in a place where like it's literally like my livelihood is like traveling the world and sitting down in rooms full of people and making sound with my body it's um it's been a long journey <laughs> um but it's definitely just again just such a such a built-in part of who I am who I knew I was and who I have relearned how to be and I'm continually relearning how to be like um can I ask how old you are I'm 30 Wow. So you, it's like been a long journey in a short span of time. I think you're a testament, yeah. a testament to digging in mm -hmm. and tr treating each day. And correct me if I'm wrong, 
but like really being present to each day. It's it's fascinating mm. how far you can travel in a short period of time because I, I see all you've accomplished and it looks like a lot to me, not just your own healing journey, but socially and career wise. Mm. And I think that must require some kind of daily determination to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, I thank you for that reflection. It is, I, I guess it's something that I've struggled with in a way that I think a lot of people do, which is like really wanting to matter, you know, wanting to do something important. I think what I'm trying to say is for a while, it was maybe not coming from an aligned place for me. It was coming from a place of like, I'm not loving myself enough and felt attached to like external validation or like I need to do something important so that I can feel important, you know, but at this point it does feel, it feels like I still have this like passionate desire to say what I'm here to say, do what I have to do, but it's not coming from that place of like, I need to be seen or I need to like make my mark so that I can feel significant. I do feel like I'm in a place of like truly loving and accepting myself, even if I don't outwardly do anything anymore. But it is like, um, I think I'm just fascinated by a lot of things in the world and, and have a true like love for people and want to, want to do the best that I can to like, I guess just make the most of this lifetime. You know, I, I it's not lost on me, like the preciousness of incarnation in human form. And I, I want to like, just learn as much as I can heal as much as I can in myself and around me. And yeah, just like really, really appreciate the miracle that is every day. Mm-hmm. It's to me, that's just another way that you returned to yourself through the wound, like the wound that leads so many of us, myself included, to Hollywood. I wanted to be a movie star because, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, dig into that if you want. But the same thing, like getting love and all of that. And Mm -hmm. you can transform. I mean, so many entertainers, musicians, actors, podcasters, people start from that place. And it's not necessarily the wrong instinct. It's just like you said, it's not super in alignment, but it everything can take you back to who you really are. Mm-hmm. And I think the kernel of truth underneath that is you want to matter to other people. You want to be live a life of service. Yeah, and you want to make this lifetime count in a way yes. that lifts other people up, and and I think we can come to that in the most roundabout, chaotic, <laughs> hot mess kind of way sometimes. Yeah, it's such a delicate dance, though, because I feel like there are there are so many um, people. I mean, I think like the the surge in like high profile celebrity suicides in the last couple of years has been a really interesting teacher in the in the fact that like you you can be doing all those things actually, you know, like doing people a lot of good creating work that means something to a lot of people you can be like a household name and have the world love you but if you're if you haven't found that internal alignment none of that matters like you it can be lost on you you know so that's that's been a a real 
central part of my process in the last couple of years is just really like checking in with myself and making sure even as I continue to like put myself out there as a you know small scale public figure and putting myself in like on stages and um, engaging with social media and doing all the things that can be really like slippery slopes for the unchecked ego um just making sure like every day like am i loving myself like am i putting too much weight in these like external validators like if if this all fell away like would i still feel like i have a rich internal life you know does that make sense absolutely yeah yeah i love that you share from that place though too you have this ability to be publicly private and i'm thinking specifically mm-hmm. of an instagram post of yours where you are like chilling out and you're playing <laughs> guitar on a flying v with your eyes closed and some <laughs> kind of like mystical musical meditation it feels like you're having a moment mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're invited in but it's not really about mm-hmm. us kind of in a way Ooh. i don't know i just really love that post Thank you. Yeah, that's actually, wow. I'm actually just beginning to, it's interesting that you talked about like moving to Hollywood to become a movie star. Cause that's actually like, I'm sort of doing that right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm in LA right now and like have been studying the method, like the Stanislavski method. Oh, oh, um, oh don't even get me started on that girl. I'm obsessed. <laughs> it's, to me, that's tr- magical training. I highly... I encourage anybody who's interested in witchcraft to study method acting. It will yes. teach you everything you need to know about magic. I think nature and method acting is all you need. <laughs> I could not agree more. It's really like high sorcery. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, but that's that's this whole thing in like the the tradition. I'm studying with someone who studied with uh, Lee Strasberg, and there's like a, a whole practice called private moments where yeah. that's yeah, you know all about it. So that's yeah, that that post is definitely intentionally a private moment. Like oh, I was, cool! I, I had was, no idea, but yeah. I'm so glad that we went there. <laughs> yep. Wow, that's really groovy. We're going to have to meet up for tea one of these days, speaking of tea. Are you in L.A.? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm a hippie wow. witch. This is where we go. <laughs> if, we're not up in the, if we're not up in the Pacific Northwest, we tend to gravitate down here. And, yeah. Yeah, I, let's totally have tea. I love L.A. And, and your music is very from the outside looking in i think very successful you have a nice career going which is extremely difficult to make happen has that just been a very organic unfolding or was there a lot of ambition behind that oh my god it's you know there has been so much ambition behind it and it's been an organic unfolding and that that in a nutshell has been like my blessing, my curse. Like I'm at a point where I can, for the first time ever, truly, honestly, for the majority of the time, really rest in the blessing of it and like the gratitude for the blessing. But I still, I do, I struggle and have struggled a lot historically with comparison and jealousy of people who have like, who experience like the just overnight, like, 
sensational mm-hmm. blow up experience of just like, and now you're on billboards on Sunset Boulevard, you know. And that has not been my path at all. Mine has been very spiraling. It's been for a long time, like, good, like, really, you know, remarkably good, but, like, small-scale things have happened. Like, I was, like, in Rolling Stone magazine, like, six years ago. Um, And then, like, kind of, like, you know, all these little things that, like, I would have attached so much weight to leading up to them. Like, oh, if only I would could be in Rolling Stone, then I will have arrived, you know, but then those things happen and then you're still just living life and like nothing really changed as a result of that, you know? Um, and so for me, that has been actually like the perfect spiritual trajectory because it's kept me moving like a plant you know like there are seasons to it I I have like quiet times and like abundant growth times and then like it organic is the perfect word for it because it's been slow it's been sustainable and it's been in tune with like the larger forces at work you know like it it hasn't it hasn't gotten out of control which is actually a really amazing gift. I see a lot of people who from afar, I might really think like, oh, they've got it made. Or like, if only my life could look like that. But then when I have the opportunity to like get up close to people like that and like tune in and have real conversations about the realities of their lives, I'm like, holy fuck, I'm really grateful to be living the organic quiet life that I am and it is like a true true miracle to be able to like sustain myself with music alone and and to be able to like tour when I want to but not have anybody over my shoulder yelling at me telling me that I need to be touring more or whatever you know because I have my own label I I have basically my manager is just like a really good friend who helps me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So what is running the label like? It's really chill. For a while I was hurting myself, like trying to make it like the biggest thing ever. But I realized that like my own personal career, like it, it works best when it's chill and not trying to like blow up, you know, it's like just trusting that it's going to find the right people that resonate with it we don't need to, it doesn't need to be a crusade, you know, and it doesn't need to be like rooted in capitalism because that's the the biggest shift that I, that I decided to make a couple of years ago was just like, I actually just don't want anything to do with other artists' financial lives. Like I don't want to be taking anybody's money. I don't want to be doing anybody else's accounting because there's really not that much money coming in, in the music industry these days like mm. most and and so that's the, the reason that I started a label was because having dealt with other record labels and seen the contracts that were shown to me I was like this just doesn't make sense like I it's because the music industry has changed as it has like a lot of deals are not really good deals because nobody's making that much money as a record label. You kind of have to like screw your artists over a little bit to make any profit. So 
I mean, there are good deals out there. Like if a, if a label has enough resources to really pull their own weight and like, like take an artist to the next level that they couldn't do for themselves. That's a, that's a different story, but a lot of indie labels, like a lot of really small indie labels are just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to like take everything (laughs) and not really, not really show up for you in the ways that count, you know? So I was just kind of like the way that I run spirit house is like, it's, we focus on the community empowerment aspect. It's kind of operated like a coven, you know, it's like, we're a group of solitary practitioners that come together to practice our craft and help each other manifest our goals. And more than anything, just like help each other, not feel so alone, like screaming in the void because the, what I was experiencing before I started spirit house and looked around and saw other people experiencing in my position was just like this increasing sense of desperation of just like, why, why do I feel so unseen? Like why every time I send out an email to like a record company, like with, you know, work that I know is good. Why am I just getting unanimously rejected? You know? <laughs> yeah. So, cause they're so not your I'm, people. Exactly. It's not for them and they're not for me. So yeah, that like, I just wanted to like create an alternative space for myself and my people to exist and feel validated and heard and like part of something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. I feel the integrity of it. I feel the authenticity of your taste and your commitment to protect that. It really comes through in everything that I can see that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing how easy it is to uphold integrity when you get money out of the picture. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it, though? Oh, this is like, I don't care how many Instagram followers you have. Like I really, it doesn't affect my life in any way. Oh yeah. If you don't even have Instagram, like great. Like as long as your music is good and you're like a magical, beautiful person, like sweet, welcome aboard. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm excited to introduce you to the hippie witch crowd because I know that you just got a bunch of new fans So, uh, thank you for doing this. And before I let you go, I truly, truly can see that you are a person creating the kick-ass life of your dreams organically, ambitiously, however it's been. What is your one tip for others looking to create the kick-ass life of their dreams? Mm, I love that question. Um, I think just do whatever, do only exactly whatever the fuck it is you want to do. Um, because there are going to be so many people with their own opinions about the way that you should do things and what, what looks good, like what is a a good effective strategy for getting where you want to be. But at the end of the day, I think as soon as you start compromising your integrity or your true values in favor of what someone else is telling you is a good idea, that's a slippery slope down a path that probably isn't for you. So I think for me, it's like a daily check-in practice of like a tuning, like really like not skimping on 
meditation and self-care and whatever it is that you need to do to feel centered and in your body and like aligned with the forces in the universe that you want to align with, which is no small feat. Like that's like, I think that more than anything is the, the secret for me, it has been just like really asking myself, like, who am I working for? You know, like what are the forces in the universe that I want to be standing with? And then like, taking the time you need to like really check in and align, like ask for guidance, ask for support and know that you are supported by the forces that you support, you know, and then just, and then just relax and float downstream. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a joy. How groovy was that? Did you love it or did you love it? Cause I loved it. I think she's just so chill, just brings a different vibe to the podcast and music, music. That's what that's what that's what we're going to do now because she is the creator of the Spirit House Records label and they have been like I keep saying our musical sponsor here for the summer of magic of course I have to play another Johanna Warren song so the last a few a few weeks ago I played a song of hers called hungry ghost and this time I'm gonna play a song off her album Gemini 2 called mine to take and I think it's Again, it's just really different. It's so busy, like musically busy and strange and uplifting and soothing all at the same time, which seems like an impossible feat, but somehow she manages to pull it off. And I don't mean busy as in like unpleasantly chaotic. I mean busy as in it's like not jazzy. I would never describe it as jazz, but in that same way that jazz is to where you actually have to pay attention to flow along with it because it's full of surprises. It's like that. The guitar and piano are almost not quite, but almost moving like contrary to what the other is doing, but somehow it works and it makes this really unexpected experience. And it's certainly nothing like you would hear like on the radio, you know, just like a perfectly structured pop song. That is what is awesome about it. It's the opposite of that. It's going to force you to pay attention if you want to keep up. So here is that mind to take by Johanna Warren. Let me know what you think. And until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. Stuck up.